the reality is cloud computing hasn't changed or digital transformation doesn't 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 require changing physics or computer science fundamentals they're still the same we've just made it easier to do at scale hi everyone and welcome to the optimistic outlook podcast while we may be in the darkest days of the pandemic in this moment, there's also light at the end of the tunnel as the national rollout of vaccines is underway. Soon we'll be working together on reopening and rebuilding the economy, building that more resilient future we've been striving for. And that's what we're going to tackle in these next few episodes, the technology that will help us reopen. In this episode, joining us today is a cloud expert, Stephen Orban. Stephen is the general manager of Amazon Web Services Data Exchange, and he's going to help us explore these possibilities. You'll hear Stephen's insights into how organizations are using cloud to address some of their greatest challenges. And you're going to hear how we can tackle a pivotal question. How do we get started? Stephen, let's begin with your own journey. I'm very interested in knowing about how you came to the cloud. Uh, you've been at AWS over six years now, and you actually published a book, Ahead in the Cloud. Yeah, happy to share that, Barbara, and thanks again for having me. I happen to have been at the nexus of transformational change at, at three really big companies over the course of the last 20 years. First, when I was at Bloomberg, we attempted to diversify our product portfolio beyond just financial services. And then at Dow Jones, we transformed the role that technology played to deliver uh, fascinating digital experiences for our customers. And uh, most recently at Amazon, we're helping companies, governments, and academics re really completely reinvent the status quo with the cloud. So. After spending seven years on Bloomberg's terminal, I had the opportunity to build a new data and analytics business that we call the Bloomberg Sports. And at that time, this was about 2010, 2011, I did make a case for the public cloud and I just didn't have the influence that was required to get that off the ground. So if you fast forward uh, three years into my journey at Dow Jones, we were able to free up and repurpose more than $100 million in infrastructure costs towards product development, delivering value for our customers. And perhaps just as importantly, this is one of the things that I'm most proud of. We went from delivering software in these really big capital intensive batches about once a quarter, if we were lucky, to delivering software changes for our customers literally hundreds of times a month. Um, but what I learned from that experience was, was actually that the hardest parts of that change, they weren't really technical. They were way more often cultural and change management in nature. So it wasn't until we woke up really to that fact and had an adequate training plan in place, made it clear how roles throughout the organization, uh, both in and outside of IT were gonna change and how we were gonna help all these people get there that things really started to change quickly. So now if you move to when I joined AWS as head of enterprise strategy back in 2014 to help customers make similar kinds of transformations and, and hopefully, ideally, learn from the mistakes uh, that I made. Um, so since then, I've had the opportunity to talk to, to thousands of organizations leading transformations like that. And so through all of that, I've become even more convinced that that cloud and the current revolution that we're going through now is 
is probably the most impactful shift, at least of, of my lifetime. Um, and it's enabled businesses from multiple different segments, whether it's Capital One and Financial Services or JP Morgan, Moderna or Bristol Myers Squibb and Healthcare, Fox and CBS and Media and Entertainment, what you're doing uh, with the Internet of Things and, and automation uh, there at Siemens, really giving companies an opportunity to focus on what they're good at. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree with you more about the the real um, advantages cloud offers us. In fact, we see this as absolutely critical to being able to implement the Internet of Things. This convergence of the physical and the digital worlds is changing everything. So the power of cloud is uh, is vital to us being able to advance our technology. In fact, we love working with you all. Um, you have been with us really with the establishment of MindSphere, our Internet of Things platform. And we've been working with you on those critical capabilities that we've been designing for buildings. You know, we're at this interesting uh, juncture right now where we've been coming through the coronavirus pandemic. There's a vaccine. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. And while we wait for the vaccine to be fully deployed, the question is, can we use buildings? And so it's tools like Comfy and Enlighted. Internet of Things capabilities that actually give us the sensors for the built infrastructure and also give us then the apps to make use of the data that comes from our buildings keeps us connected. It really puts more power into the hands of the occupants of buildings. These are capabilities that simply wouldn't be possible without our partnership with you. Yeah, remarkable work you all are doing. I've been thinking a lot about the pandemic and where we go next. What do you think are some of the the biggest lessons you've learned? Uh, have there been transformations that you've seen that were actually driven by us getting creative in the face of crisis? A top of mind example for me on that is, is Moderna, uh, who used AWS to help them reduce the time it took to develop their phase one COVID-19 vaccine. And they were able to do that in just 42 days days, um, which is pretty remarkable given what that typically uh, takes them. And then I'd say in addition to these sort of broad transformations that we're seeing, um, you know, you can kind of look at it from a couple of different vectors. The first one is, 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 is working from home and how all these companies have had to adapt to just immediately um, getting all their workforce productive as fast as possible from home. And particularly for companies who, who, who maybe wouldn't have otherwise considered that um, in the absence of, of, of some big crisis like this. Um, Innova, uh, one of the largest lenders in the United States that we worked with, they used our Amazon workspaces, which is a desktop in the service where you, a desktop as a service where you can deploy uh, remote computers in the cloud for, for your employees to use. They got 1,200 of their employees up and running, working from home, using that service in, in just under 24 hours, uh, which is pretty remarkable if you think about what they would have had to do 10 years ago to try to do the same thing. Grubhub is another example. They got they got their employees up and running, about 1,200 of them in, in two days. You know, I also think about if you, if you think about more kind of forward-looking and future innovations in this space, I think voice and automation in buildings, um, when you think about like Alexa and some of the IoT work that, that, that your organization is doing around things like booking meeting rooms, calling your contacts, getting meeting utilization, which rooms are open or empty, and in hospitality, um, being able to turn on and off your lights and your TV or trigger automation to maybe cater to the individual 
uh, occupant. Um, but I think rather than me talk about it, I think this is a space that you know quite a bit about. Um, and uh, you mentioned some of the brands that, that you have that's driving innovation in this space also. Yeah, um, it, it's, it's a really great time for actually partnering because as you say, demands changed rapidly with the disruption that we experienced over the last few months. Everyone is talking about how their uh, digital enterprise has had to grow so quickly. That's why cloud has been so effective because the ability to scale almost instantaneously, what a lot of our viewers might not know is that in order to meet that demand, the cloud providers have had to scale up pretty dramatically as well, just in the sheer storage that's available to all of us. And that's kept certain engineers at Siemens busy <laughs> beyond belief getting new electrical components to you, understanding the power requirements in data centers. And, and so all along that value chain, from electrons being served into the data center all the way through the media and, and that, that you use for storage and then into our businesses, we are connected in ways we never have been before. Totally. You mentioned, Stephen, the data exchange. Talk to us a little bit more about that and, yeah. and, and the value you've been driving with data exchange. Happy to. So, so as I said, I've been with Amazon for a little over six years now. I ran our enterprise strategy for, for the first few years before I started this business. And one of the things that we kept hearing was from customers was, hey, it's great that they can move cheaper, better, and faster uh, their applications, analytics, and, and now machine learning as, as they move to the cloud but they're often still a little held back by how quickly they can make some of these decisions in their applications and analytics, particularly those that require data or information that they might not already have themselves, that they have to go out and acquire from some third party. And a lot of the reason behind that is, is that there's just so much technical, undifferentiated heavy lifting that exists between some kind of data licensing arrangement. We have customers who are still shipping physical media to each other, hard drives, DVDs, thumb drives, whatever it may be, because that's still um, either because of some legacy workflow or because they believe it's the most efficient way to do it. FTP, file transfer protocol, and having to constantly pull some site that might have an IP address or a security rule change, and then having to deal with all the nuances of that. And, and even APIs, which are a more modern way to do this between organizations, just leave customers with a lot to manage. Uh, so that's why we developed AWS Data Exchange, uh, which simply put makes it easy for customers to find, subscribe to, and use third-party data natively in the cloud. And that it also gives data providers, our partners, an opportunity to reach the millions of AWS customers who are doing things with data across uh, the rest of our services. And some of the things that we've seen, which we were quite surprised by, obviously nobody predicted the pandemic, uh, we launched the business last November and nobody could have predicted that the situation we would have been in in, in February and March of the, the following year. But we're quite humbled with the role we've been able to, to play there. A number of academic and research institutions, um, the UT of Austin is one of them. We just had a, a session in our, our reInvent conference around their use of data from the exchange. Uh, they're looking at coronavirus case data, people movement data, the availability of hospital beds, aggregated spending data, all from our service to be able to help their students navigate campus life uh, in light of uh, what I'll call the new normal for now. Um, Huron Consulting Group is a, um, a large um, strategy and management consulting firm. And they did some more interesting work with hospitals to help them streamline their COVID-19 recovery efforts 
also using dozens of sources from data exchange. You know, Stephen, one of the things we've been noticing is that um, the effects of the pandemic, obviously global, but but what decisions that need to be made and, and businesses adapting is hyper-local. I mean, we've been watching and working with our customers across mobility, across uh, infrastructure and, and industry, and realizing that everyone is on a very personal journey here. One of the big questions that we get asked is, how do we even start our digital transformation journey? You know, if I'm a manufacturer who has a legacy of a, a century doing something and largely handcrafted, how do I even get started? And, and one of the things I've loved sharing with people is that the digital transformation can be very much an evolutionary one. You know, starting small and letting something take hold and then letting the flywheel start from there. I'd love to hear your perspectives on how you're coaching people through that transformation. I couldn't agree with you more, Barbara. I think you're spot on. This is one of the areas that I focus quite a bit about on my book. And, and the reason is that probably the it's probably the most common pitfall that I see companies uh, fall, uh, fall to is, is what I'll call analysis paralysis. Sometimes people call it boil the ocean or, 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 a, or a big bang. Um, and maybe you'd, you'd hear often and the, I, I think that happens because people are often just afraid of the unknown and what they don't know. So before they even dip their toes in the water or get started, they try to analyze everything. And they're looking to understand every permutation, every risk that could occur, how it could go wrong, how they're going to get everything done. And, and assuming that maybe they have to just completely change the way they do everything in their business before they even start with just a single application. And the reality is cloud computing hasn't changed or digital transformation doesn't, doesn't, doesn't require changing physics or computer science fundamentals. They're still the same. We've just made it easier to do at scale. Uh, so, so my advice to, to leaders who are, you know, maybe kind of peering over the edge a little bit and, and a little concerned on where to start and not knowing exactly what's going to happen every step of the way is to just start with a single application. Start with one business unit, one customer opportunity, maybe a simple website even, and get a little bit of experience. You'll see the people in your organization who will really start to lean into that change. You'll also probably see the people who won't be. Um, uh, but you can you, you can you can foster and, and reward the people who are um, who are helping with the behaviors that you want to continue to incent, and, and really build from there. And, and and once you get a few wins in the board, you'll you'll learn enough to put a larger, larger business case for, for transformation together. I mean, when we started the journey at, at Dow Jones, it was really, how do we just get a couple of the pages of the Wall Street Journal website up and running on the cloud because we were dying under load. That was our compelling reason. We couldn't handle it ourselves in our own data centers, particularly as uh, traffic patterns shifted um, between Asia, the Europe and, and the US. And we just didn't have enough capacity in all of our data centers when hot stories would spike. Uh, so we moved some of those to the cloud. We learned a lot. And, and it wasn't until months later, after we had a lot of that experience, that we put together the business case to exit um, uh, the majority of our data centers and move that to the cloud. But, you know, a journey starts with a single step. Data is infinite. And finding ways to, uh, to analyze what we have the the actually the model of cloud computing is a great example for us instead of every single one of us 
amassing as much as we could possibly need to manage our own enterprise, we're sharing. And we're making great use of a very flexible asset for all of us. That's an example of how data can help us move from a mindset of scarcity to one of abundance. I'm I'm curious about your own view. If if we are able to implement the true power of the cloud, what are some of the benefits you see being realized in our future? Yeah. So I think it's really still day one for us at at AWS and and at Amazon and, and where we are with the cloud. So I think there's still a lot more innovation to come. But I like to imagine a world where every company, government, academic institution and and, and other organizations can focus solely on the things that they do to make a difference. Whether that's Stevens developing smarter buildings, developing vaccines, or delivering clean and efficient energy and resources, without having to manage all of that IT infrastructure required to do that themselves, and as you pointed out, having to buy it all up front, uh, and having, uh, uh, furthermore, having the data that they, they need at their fingertips to drive smarter decisions. That's why I do what I do. And I hope that you and your listeners are excited by that future as well. Stephen Orban, it's a compelling picture. And thank you for all you've done to help us transform. We look forward to our continued working together. And thanks for being a guest today. It's been awesome to be here, Barbara. Thank you so much for having me. I like what Stephen said at the end of this episode, the idea that it's still day one when it comes to the cloud. Think about how exciting that is. The idea that we can actually put more responsibility into the hands of true IT experts so that all of us can focus on what we're really good at, what we bring to the table, how we can expand what's humanly possible. We're grateful for our partnership with AWS. And in our show notes, you'll be able to find additional information about Stephen's book. You'll also be able to find information about critical building technologies that are now being used in the face of the pandemic. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform or to the Siemens YouTube channel. And for show notes and more, go to Siemens.com optimist.